Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, where each show we complete that sentence with a different profession, bringing you an experienced guest to give us the inside scoop on that career. Now, for this specific program, I want to be a sonographer. In case you're not sure what that is, sonographers are diagnostic medical professionals who use ultrasounds to get images of things like organs and tissues inside the body, or, you know, a lot of you might think of seeing babies inside one's body. To dive further into this career, we are speaking with Katie Coons. She's the president of the Society of Diagnostic Medical Sonography and an individual with some terrific experience in the field. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Tim. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on and uh, an intriguing profession, that's for sure. And I wanted to start off just by asking you, what drew you into this profession? What attracted you to this career? Is this something you always wanted to do? Is there something that piqued your interest? Give us sort of the the layout of how, how it started. Sure. Well, actually, it might help for a little bit of background. The profession is fairly new compared to, for example, x-ray, which has been around for over 100 years. Sonography as a career has only been around since the early 70s. So I like to say the profession kind of found me instead of me finding the profession since I've been around for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) But the kinds of things that would be attractive about the profession is the flexibility that you have in working in a lot of different areas, as well as the fact if you like science, as well as maybe some of the patient care aspects of what go into healthcare, it's a perfect blend for both of those. Okay. So when was this something you actually looked at as a career? I mean, did you specifically pick this out? Was it a a certain area or an individual that that pointed this out to you? What what really got you going on this career path? As I mentioned, the career is fairly new. So if you kind of think back to a time before there were CT scans or MRI scans, which most people are familiar with, sonography was the first cross-sectional imaging modality that was ever really um, introduced to healthcare. So the only other way to really look inside a person was to operate on them and actually open them up. Sure. Otherwise, there wasn't any way to do this. So the idea of being able to actually use sound waves instead of x-rays to be able to look inside someone was really astounding to everyone. We also were initially attracted to this, as you mentioned in the introduction, looking at babies because it was a way to look inside without using any radiation. Hmm. And it wasn't long after that that we realized that we could look at all those organs and tissues and blood vessels. Right. And so the attractive part was the idea that it was something very new. It's very non-invasive. And really, the technology was in its infancy and a lot of uh, potential for growth and development. Well, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, as you mentioned, going back to sort of the, the beginning parts of this and, and how you've seen it develop, uh, I think that's great background, as you said, for the listeners out there. Walk us through a typical day of what a sonographer might be involved with. I understand that there are going to be very unique circumstances and and days are probably very different at times, but is there sort of a a typical standard day that somebody could expect or, or how would you lay out what one is doing on a daily basis? Well, Tim, it kind of depends on which specialty area you're practicing in. Okay. When we talk about diagnostic medical sonographers, there's really um, many different subcategories that are there. The main ones are obstetrical and gynecological, which you mentioned, looking at babies. The other is abdominal sonography, which is a little bit of a misnomer since it could involve other areas besides the abdomen. It could involve the chest and in some cases even like the thyroid gland in the neck. Then there's vascular technology, which is the blood vessels um, and a specialty in, in looking at disorders of the blood vessels. And then the other big area is cardiac ultrasounds, looking at the heart. 
So a typical day might depend on what kind of discipline you're practicing in. But there are some similarities across the board. The big thing to remember is that you're working as part of a healthcare disciplinary team. And by that, I mean you're working with the physicians. So the sonographers and vascular technologists are making these images based on an indication or an inkling or an idea of what might be wrong with the patient. So they're kind of a detective and they would go into the room and set up the piece of equipment, look at the patient's medical record, get an idea of what specific areas are going to be examined, and then create a set of images that they would sit down then with the interpreting physician and sort of as a detective team, they get together and decide, have we solved the question or, or the, the problem that's here? Mm-hmm. Do we need to go back and make additional images? How can this be adjusted? And maybe go back and forth. So a typical day would be coming in, maybe conferring with the physician you're working with that day or looking at your schedule, setting up your piece of equipment for that particular examination that you're going to do, examine the patient's medical record, bring the patient into the room, There's some positioning that's involved with it. And then a great deal of what you do during the exam would be making the necessary adjustments to the piece of equipment to get those optimal images that you want to make, and then reviewing that case with the physician, allowing the patient to leave. And then you would maybe perform 8 to 12 of those examinations during a typical day. Okay. It's interesting you mentioned the part of uh, trying to find that right angle and, and find the best image. Is there, a, is there a science to doing that or is it really just kind of a, it's going to depend on the person and what exactly you're looking for or is that something that all kind of comes along with the training and, and the learning portion of it? That's a great question, Tim, because I like to say that sonography is as much an art as it is a science. Sure. And by that I mean, just like no two people look alike on the outside, no two people look alike on the inside either. <laughs> and so when you're performing these examinations, There is a standard protocol and images that need to be included, or as you said, angles that you might have to do to manipulate the equipment to be able to get those. But really, the sonographer is that detective who's um, looking at what needs to be done based on what that particular unique individual has going on inside their body. You have to have a little bit of an inquiring mind and like that idea of critical thinking and analytical problem solving sure. to really enjoy doing this. Along the same lines, you mentioned, obviously, that while this is relatively new in terms of the grand scheme of uh, the medical area, technology, how much has that impacted the profession? How much has it changed it? How much has it improved it? Uh, what would you point to as, as some of those key components of technology where we are today as opposed to, say, 40 years ago? There's been a lot of changes, Tim. If you think of your computer or maybe your phone or a a mobile phone or a cell phone, if you think back to what they looked like when they first came out, or maybe even calculators might be another um, example, they were big, they were bulky, they were slow. The same thing was true for ultrasound machines. The scanners typically took up a good part of a room. The computers and the technology that were attached to them were large and slow. Now, ultrasound scanners can actually be attached to a smartphone, Mm. and the transducers that are used are highly portable. They can be used in the field, in trauma situations, bedside. Sonographers go into the operating rooms um, with ultrasound scanners. Well, it's true that the more traditional scanners are still larger, but um, they might be um, half the size or a fourth the size of what they were 25 or 30 years ago. Okay. The other big thing that's changed technology-wise 
is uh, the ability to look at moving structures, blood cells that are moving through blood vessels, heart valves that are moving. When we first started out with ultrasound, the images were still. So again, if we use the cell phone analogy, the difference between snapping a picture or doing a little video clip is really what we've seen happen in the sonography world as well. And then there are some other really cool things that are going on now. The, The phrase that's been coined is fusion imaging. So we actually fuse two different technologies or superimpose two different technologies over one another. So for example, a CT scan might be fused with an ultrasound image, and they both provide a little bit different information. One might provide something about that function of the organ as blood is moving through it, whereas the other one's a still image. So some really cool things being done in that area. Yeah, I can imagine just how uh, how fascinating that is and, and seeing, as you have been able to see the development of of that aspect of it, uh, let alone the, the profession itself. We are going to get into some more details of sort of like the skills and, and personality and, and obviously education. But I wanted to ask if you had any interesting stories that just popped to mind or anything that the listeners might find as unusual or, or, or again, interesting in some way that you could share with us. Well, you know, we have to keep in mind some of those patient privacy rules, which sure. is a big part of healthcare. Sure. But I guess maybe some of the m- most interesting cases that I've done involve those that include transplant patients. Hmm. And um, people might not realize or understand that sonography is a big part of patients who have organ transplants, both prior to the transplant and often even in the operating room during the transplant, and then immediately afterwards. I like to think of people who have an organ transplant don't really get rid of their disease. They just they go from managing their disease to managing their transplant, which is still a very important aspect of their health afterwards. And so we tend to see these patients lifelong before their transplants, during their transplants, and for many, many years afterwards. And a lot of sonographers form, you know, um, kind of a healthcare bond with these people and their families. So I think some of the most interesting patients I've had the opportunity to work with are those patients who, are, who fall into that uh, category of, of organ transplantation. Yeah, I have to say, I uh, I had no clue when it when it came to that that that's what uh, some of what you do with sonography and helping out the transplant uh, patients in that case. So um, no, I think that's a great story. I think that's great insight for people listening because uh, I would imagine, as you said, most people probably don't even realize that. If we get into some of the idea of skill and personality types, is there a certain I don't know format or a certain sort of game plan that you would have to have if you want to be successful when you're looking at again certain skills or a personality trait that is extremely useful when you're working in sonography? Right. Well, I touched on it a little bit when I mentioned this critical thinking or analytical problem solving. Right. So I like to say if you're the kind of person who likes to follow the recipe and make sure that they know exactly which ingredients go into something, this might not be the career for you because you really (laughs) have to be a little bit adventurous and uh, know what the recipe is and know what you want the end result to be. But you have to be willing to kind of do that critical thinking and analytical problem solving, maybe even on the spot, since no two patients are alike. The patient you did before looking for gallstones may not look anything like the patient you're doing now. Or you might discover something on their kidney and have to adapt the exam as you go along. So that adaptability and critical thinking and problem solving are really important. The other thing to keep in mind is that your communication skills, both written, verbal, are very important. Um, Typically, you're spending between 30 minutes to an hour with each patient, and you're alone in the room with them. And so you're answering their questions, you're comforting them, 
you're able to provide them with the appropriate instructions to be able to do the exam. Similarly, you're going to be conferring with physicians and reading the medical record and interpreting that. So you have to kind of be somebody who's attracted to that idea of spending a lot of time talking to the patients, as well as with physicians and other members of the healthcare team. And the other thing that I try to make sure that people who are interested in the career know about is there's a lot of hand-eye coordination that goes with this. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever observed anyone doing an ultrasound exam, but you're actually, what you're watching on the screen, you're making changes um, with the device that actually transmits and receives the sound waves as you're passing it over the patient. And at the same time, you're having to make changes to the computer keyboard. So that there's a little bit of left hand, right hand going on at the same time as well as being able to watch what you're seeing on the screen. And then at the same time, you're conversing with that patient or right. that physician that's in the room with you. Right. So this idea of hand-eye coordination or maybe a little bit of multitasking or using um, you know, multiple parts of your brain at the same time is kind of important. If you're not comfortable with that, that's probably not going to be real attractive to you as well. And then, of course, working in any part of the healthcare field it's important that, you know, you have the appropriate visual skills, use of both hands, um, the ability to stand, sit for long periods of time, lifting, moving about, things like that. Again, I think some great insight for anyone who might be interested. Uh, I really do like the, uh, the hand-eye coordination aspect of it. You're right. I think, again, people don't necessarily think about all these little things that go into, even when they have been in, uh, you know, seen an ultrasound, which I have been fortunate enough to. I have two children, so I was able to, to see that a couple of times. So I definitely appreciate that technology. Let's get into the educational side of things. Again, if anyone is thinking about getting into this as a career, we want to make sure that they understand the path there. What type of degree is necessary, uh, certifications? What are we looking at from that point of view? The majority right now are associate degree programs. Okay. But the programs range from anything from certificate diploma uh, programs all the way up to master's degree programs. But associate degree and bachelor's degree programs make up the bulk of them. I'm glad you asked about the education piece of it because it is a little bit complicated and confusing to people who are thinking about this for a career. Mm -hmm. It's important that career seekers ask the program that they're considering attending if it's an accredited sonography program, not if the college is accredited, okay. if the program is accredited. And the reason I bring it up is graduates of programs where the program is accredited are eligible to sit immediately for certification exams upon graduation. Hmm. If they're not a graduate of a program that is accredited, there are alternate pathways, but most of them involve on-the-job training for an additional year, and employers more and more are not hiring those people. So it's very sad when um, people you know, devote a couple years of their life to the career and graduate only to find out that they're not going to be employable when they graduate from the program. Wow. Well, and that is part of the reason why I do those, those, these shows is kind of that type of information that you might not be aware of. So thank you for definitely bringing that up. But go ahead and continue. Yeah, I, I think an, a real important thing is um, if you're considering a, a sonography program, don't just talk to the recruiters from the program. I think you also want to check with the certification organizations or the professional organizations that are out there. Most of the professional organizations, and I can speak for SDMS because that's the organization I'm affiliated with, will actually put you in touch with a sonographer or an educator to answer some of your questions. And we also have some tools um, on our website that um, people can use. I really encourage you to take the time to look at the certification requirements and make sure that if you enter into that program that you're going to be able to um, sit for certification exams when you graduate. 
Perfect. Again, that's the inside information we're looking for from our experienced guests here on the show. How about uh, internships or field work? Uh, is any of that required? Is it just suggested, strongly suggested? Where does that fall? Also a great question. Again, going back to that kind of complicated, confusing entry into the profession. Sure. Some of the programs include prerequisite courses as part of their curriculum. Others are designed where you will have to complete those before you go into the core curriculum for the program. So that's a little bit of homework that the career seeker also needs to look at. If um, you are entering a program, for example, a diploma certificate program, most of them, if not all of them, will require that you complete some prerequisite college work in advance. And sometimes that includes patient care experience. Hmm. So people may um, go through a medical assisting course or they may have been in a different allied health profession that included patient care prior to going into those certificate diploma programs. The associate degree programs oftentimes will have patient care as part of the core curriculum or pre-core curriculum. So you'll take some of the college coursework that's necessary and then after you complete that, you can apply to be admitted into the core curriculum. You could think of it like medical school. Physician might be in college for four years and then apply to medical school. So you might be in a pre-sonography curriculum and then apply to the sonography program. All right. I think that's a nice way to look at it for people who might be more familiar with that side of it as well. Take us into the process of applying for jobs in terms of maybe what job seekers, again, need to know, some of that inside information, or what the job interview might be like, what they might be looking for, maybe just a couple of pointers that you could give our listeners when it comes to actually trying to get a new position. Right. Well, again, it depends on what your background or what your educational background was. Some people will be prepared to be cardiac sonographers. Some may be prepared to be um, vascular sonographers and some general sonographers. So if you have more than one of those specialties, some employers find that very attractive, particularly if you're looking at a smaller rural area where maybe they want to hire one person who can perform several of those um, tasks for them. If you're more interested in a specialized clinic, you can seek a, a employment doing just vascular exams, for example, okay. or just cardiac exams, or even just OB. And even the obstetrical exams now are becoming even specialized, maybe high-risk OB as uh, opposed to general obstetrics. So it's important to kind of match your skills up with what the employer is looking for to make sure that you're not applying for jobs that you really don't fit the skill set for. So that's number one. Number two is, I think when you're applying for the position, it's important to remember you're not going to be interviewing just with someone from human resources. It's very likely you're also going to be um, interviewed by the manager or supervisor of the department possibly another sonographer, maybe the physician or part of the physician team that you're going to be working for. So be prepared to answer questions about what kind of skills and what sort of experience you had on those internships or clinical rotations that were part of your education and how that background will fit with their particular needs in that place. And then the last thing I would say is this is a very hands-on profession. You're performing an exam. So don't be surprised if you're taken into a simulated laboratory experience and asked to demonstrate your skills as part of the interview. Nice. Uh, again, I think that's great knowledge to have going into the going to interview like that. It's not it's technically really your typical interview. So I appreciate that information. As always with these shows, the time has flown by. We're up against the clock, but I wanted to give you the opportunity at the end here if you had any final pieces of advice or something you think the job seeker needs to know if they're looking to get into this profession, again, looking into sonography, what would you want to leave them with today? 
Well, I think the most important thing is to remember, stay open-minded to the technology changing and don't uh, paint yourself into a corner and say, this is how I learned to do it and not move forward with it. So if you're seeking a job, maybe there's an aspect of it that you only touched on a little bit in your educational experience to look at that as an opportunity to grow as a stenographer. One of the great things about this career is I like to say you never have to look for a new one because every day that you come in, your patients are going to be different. The technology might be a little bit different. So you have a wonderful opportunity to grow along with the profession. All right. With that, we will wrap up this edition of I Want to Be A. Again, we've been looking into the profession of sonography, and we've been doing that by speaking with Katie Kuntz, the president of the Society of Diagnostic Medical Sonography. Katie, thanks again for coming on, giving us some details into the profession. I think definitely giving the listeners uh, some nice insight into what it would take to have a successful career. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Tim. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, maybe you have a profession you're interested in hearing about, shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also contact us via Twitter at the LJN is where you'll find us. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.